You're listening to the Thriving Mom Podcast. I'm life and nutrition coach Ume Uguta, and I'm here to help you create the motherhood of your dreams without sacrificing your health and well-being. On this podcast, we dive into mindset, strategy, and skills that will help you stop surviving and start thriving in the beautiful chaos that is motherhood. Are you ready, mama? Let's journey together. Hello, Thriving Mums. Welcome to another podcast episode. How are you? I am feeling kind of in between excited and happy and kind of blah lately. So mostly because two of my three kids are not feeling very well. And my toddler has had this random cold for close to two months. And every time we go to the doctor, we're just told it's a viral infection and she'll be fine. But poor kid is so stuffed. All her passages, her nasal passages are blocked. So then she's just like dripping from her eyes and breathing through her mouth. It's a little bit challenging just seeing her struggle like that. But apparently there's just so many things going on right now with kids and viruses and all the stuff. So we keep praying and we keep hoping for recovery soon because I feel for her like if I could take it away I would and we're just trying to help her feel comfortable we've got humidifiers running and you know all the stuff and water and fluids so yeah but the interesting thing about this is that one of them one of the sick kids despite how terrible she feels it hasn't affected her appetite but my other one doesn't even want to eat like she barely is eating anything and it's so interesting to watch how both of them live here and they have very different responses to feeding so part of this experience is what inspired my my podcast today because we're talking about intuitive eating and I know that there's so many of us who come into this work and we think we want to raise intuitive eaters and we have expectations I just want to talk a little bit about some of the myths and misconceptions we have about intuitive eating and children and eating because it's so important that we don't make intuitive eating become another thing on our to-do list of raising children. And I'm starting to see this creep up. I'm seeing it in my clients and I'm sure some of you are noticing it. Once I talk about it in this podcast, now you're going to start paying attention. But let's have that conversation. Before we go into it, though, I want to talk about my audio challenge, Peaceful Mealtimes with Kids, that's happening in June, from June 7th to the 10th. It's a brand new class that I created from noticing the results that my clients were getting. And I really just want to drive home this idea that how you approach feeding kids is directly connected to your confidence and ability to feel like you can do it. There's no amount of classes or feeding gadgets or courses that you take that can replace that power of belief in yourself. And this challenge is all about helping you create that confidence and believe. And then you're going to get so clear on the strategy that would work for you. So we're going to cover how you're going to understand your child's need when it comes to food. Many of us focus on food and we neglect so many other important cues. We're going to talk about this in the challenge. You're going to decide how you want mealtimes to look in your home And then I'll just teach you my five-step framework for raising a healthy, competent eater. Doesn't matter what framework you use, 
but this is just going to be like a foundation for you and you can apply it no matter the age of your child. Get all the details at oliveandbliss.ca forward slash challenge. We're going to have audio lessons for three days. And on the last day, which is a Friday, you're going to come in for Q&A and coaching live all for free. Check out the link in the show notes and go sign up. If you know a mom who needs this, who might benefit, please share with her. So for today, let's dive into two things first, and then I will talk about some of the myths and misconceptions. The first thing is just being very clear on what the aim is when you're trying to raise a child who is competent in eating. Whether you want to call them intuitive, whether you want to call them mindful, doesn't matter. The key here is competent eating. And this for me is simply just eating normally. Being able to notice your hunger and fullness, if that's something that's accessible to you, being able to eat according to your feelings. Yes, I know a lot of us get really anxious about emotional eating, but there's always an emotional component to food and we really need to get clear on that. Availability of food is another part of this. You can be competent even when there's food insecurity. So with my clients, I just simply remind them that competent eaters trust their bodies to know exactly what to do with the food that they eat. It's that simple. Anything else is just extra headache and you don't want that. So we're just competent eaters. We eat trusting that our body knows exactly what to do with the food that we're eating. The second thing that I want to say is that you are not the major cause of your child's feeding struggles and challenges. <laughs> I feel like I'm Jerry Springer or something. You are not. You're not the major cause of your child's feeding issues or struggles. Just let that sit with you. There's so many factors and most of them might be things that have to do with their skill level or physical problems in their body and maybe in their digestive system. These are issues that are not for you to fix. But what I find is that sometimes because we believe that we're the problem, we jump into fixing. So we try to fix ourselves or we try to fix the child and this makes things worse. So that's why I wanted to talk about these myths and misconceptions because it's so important for us to not complicate feeding children. And I see so many moms struggle. I see so many moms just feel like so tired and put so much effort into something that doesn't need that much attention and effort. So hopefully after this podcast episode, you have some tools and come join that challenge. It's going to be fun. It's going to be a little bit of breaking your brain, but it'll be good. And you're going to feel so much better over the summer and throughout the rest of the year just approaching mealtimes with less stress and less fighting over food. Okay, let's talk about our first myth. Many of us are hoping that through teaching our children intuitive eating, they will learn about nutrition. I get the pressure to want to teach our children everything, but the best way we can teach our children about nutrition is not teach them at all. <laughs> We're not trying to regurgitate something we read. We go through a process of inquiry with the child and learning along with them. So for most kids, eating is a learned behavior. 
And the best way for them to learn is for us to model that behavior and let them see what we're doing, copy it. If it doesn't work for them, do it their own way. If you follow this way, it's going to be so much easier for you to just pay attention and be responsive to your child when it comes to eating. So we model by how we talk about food, by how we prepare food, by how we eat food, how we engage in conversations around food. That's the biggest impact that we're going to make more than any form of teaching we could ever do. Next myth. This is number four on the list. I'm counting down if you didn't notice. (laughs) So number four is that you think intuitive eating is going to prevent your child from thinking about dieting. This is an assumption that the world is perfect and everybody believes that diets are not helpful. And that's not true. We live in a fat phobic world as of 2022. People still hate the word fat. People still dislike and judge people who live in bodies that don't conform to the norm, which is the thin ideal right now. That is the world we live in. But when you're trying to push intuitive eating on your child, part of you is thinking, yes, they'll never think about a diet. And the only way that's going to happen is if the world was no longer fat phobic, if you could control all the shows that they watch, control all the books that they read. But that's not helping your child. That's a disservice. And you're attempting to keep them in this bubble in efforts to protect them. So what I, when I coach my clients... I challenge them to let the children just be children living in a fat phobic world. And instead of trying to cover and bubble them up, give them the tools that they need from home and let them explore their relationship with food and come back to the safety of the home that you've created. Some of them are going to try diets just because it's the fun thing to do or that's what all their friends are doing. But if you've modeled, again, going back to that number five, modeling, if you've modeled what it looks like to have a good relationship with food, they'll find their way back. And that's how they're going to learn. It's better than bubbling them up and trying to protect them. Okay, let's go to number three. There is an assumption that your child will know when they're hungry or when they're full. So I see people say, well, ask them to say what their tummy says. I've even said this. And I find that this might not be very helpful for most children, depending on so many factors. Focusing on trying to help them feel when their little bellies are hungry or full is another form of pressure on them. Because most of these kids, especially when they're so young, they don't even understand what it feels like to want to go pee or poop properly yet. (laughs) Right? So when you add that pressure of, okay, well, what's your tummy telling you? Is it hungry? Is it full? It's not really helpful. They're just confused. So like I said, I've used this with my kids and I was like, nope, I'm not going to do this. It's not working because something happened. I remember my toddler, she would say she's full and her tummy is saying she's full from something that she tried or maybe she didn't like that food. Then I realized that it was because she was not, she was trying to be done with the food She wasn't full. She wasn't satisfied. And I think satisfaction is such a huge piece of eating when it comes to feeding children. Yes, they might eat the food, but if that satisfaction piece isn't there, 
Sometimes you'll find them wanting more food, not because they're still hungry, but it's just there's something that they're looking for, right? So in my toddler's case, she just said, yeah, I'm full, but it's not because she was full or satisfied. It was because she didn't enjoy the food and she just thought if she says full, then she's done. So rather than try to ask them what their tummy feels like or whether they feel they're hungry or fullness, Focus on feeding them what you deem appropriate and then pay attention to how they respond and learn from that. So if you're modeling that behavior and you're also thinking about co-learning with your child and paying attention when they eat, obviously we can't do this every day and for all mealtimes because life is busy. But for the most part, this is how you learn and then you know, okay, well, one scoop doesn't work. Maybe two scoops will work. And let's also not forget, our children are going through rapid growth. Sometimes they're very distracted, which is all normal. So in order for us to help them be competent when it comes to eating, we have to just come alongside them and support them at whatever stage they're at. So the second myth and misconception is that we assume our children will only want the foods that we approve of. I'm not going to beat this horse any longer. This is where a lot of us get stuck. When we say we approve of foods, most times we're thinking they should eat more vegetables than carbs. They should not want juice. They should only eat a little amount of sugar. That is diet thinking. When you're assuming that by teaching your child or helping them be an intuitive eater, they will not want pizza, they will not want candy, And that is not helpful. All foods fit. That's the approach I take in my home and teach my clients. And we find that when we're open to letting all foods fit, it allows the child the opportunity to be able to explore different foods. I've shared this story about my eight-year-old before. Candy is her favorite food. Like she'll tell you that anytime, any day. But there was a time when I started bringing candy back into the home, she would eat candy morning, afternoon, evening, before she goes to bed. She ate so much candy that her tummy was hurting. It was really hard for me to watch that, but I knew that she wasn't going to hurt herself. I knew the worst that would happen is she would get a tummy ache. I was comfortable in that because I have done my own work on myself. So I was able to hold space for that. I really want to stress this because I don't want you to go let your child eat all the candy, and then you haven't done your own work, then you start freaking out. I was able to hold space for her because I have a good relationship with food. And when she woke up the next day, she said, mom, you know what? I don't think I can eat this amount of candy. Next time, I'm just going to try a little and see how that feels. And now that's what she does. So this is what we want so that they grow up into adults who know, well, maybe I can have two slices of pizza or I can eat a whole box, but they trust themselves. Again, going back to your body knows what to do with the food that you eat. Okay, so we've gone through the four myths and the last one is not even related to food or health. Are you ready? It is this. You believe that by raising an intuitive eater, it'll make you feel like a good mom. It'll make you feel worthy. (laughs) This is the biggest misconception that we have. 
And it's not like you're walking around saying, well, I want to be a good mom. That's why I'm raising an intuitive eater. No, no, no. It's very subtle. Sometimes we don't even know we're thinking of it. But as I've coached dozens of moms who talk to me about feeding children, this is always the underlying belief. So there's so many of us who think that you're either on a diet or you're eating intuitively. It's almost like we think intuitive eating is a solution to dieting, but that's not. You can just eat normally without giving it a label of intuitive eating. When you're pitting intuitive eating against dieting, that's black and white thinking, and that doesn't serve you. I want to invite you to stay in the gray, right? What does that gray look like? It looks like sometimes I'm going to eat more than I want to, and that's okay. And sometimes I'm going to eat less than I want to, and that's okay. But can you trust yourself and have your own back in those moments? This is what it's all about. Intuitive eating helps you reconnect to your body. And when it comes to children, for most of them, that connection hasn't been lost yet unless you've interfered with it. So assuming or coming from the assumption that you've already disconnected or they already have that disconnection with their body is not really helpful. And it's not going to make you feel much better than you feel about yourself. How you feel about yourself is a you problem. It's not the child's problem. So I recommend that you do the work to separate the two. Work on yourself if you're struggling with food and your body. I can help with that. And then create the safety that's going to help your child develop that healthy relationship with food and their body. They don't have to be an intuitive eater. They can just be competent, trusting that their body knows exactly what to do with the food that you're eating or that they're eating. So those are my myths and misconceptions. Number five is just we're hoping to learn that the child will learn about nutrition. Number four, we think it's going to prevent them from thinking about dieting. We're assuming that they'll always know when they're hungry and full. Number two, we assume that our children will only eat foods we approve of. And number one, that it's going to make us better and worthy moms. None of these are going to help you when you're trying to do intuitive eating and feed your children. They're all things that you can work on separately and take the pressure off of your child. I'm going to talk a lot more about this in the upcoming audio challenge. So if you haven't signed up for it, go now to oliveandblaze.ca forward slash challenge and sign up. All right, my friends, did any of those myths land with you? Tell me. I've, I've gone through all of them, so there's no shame here. <laughs> I'm just sharing what has happened in my life and in my clients, and I'm sure many of you can relate. So come find me on Instagram at Olive and Bliss Wellness, and let's chat about it. Okay, mamas, I hope you have a beautiful week ahead, and as always, keep thriving. Thanks for hanging out with me. If you enjoyed this episode, I want you to take that work deeper and implement one thing that you learned this week. And if you'd like to take this work further, come work with me inside my coaching program. You can go to oliveandbliss.ca to learn all about me and how I can support you.